Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Hospitals are facing pressure to help more and more patients while rising inflationary costs are crushing their balance sheets. Also, support for the PM, a step forward in Branford, a twin bill for the Arkells, last chance for boat lovers, and get your napkins ready. Enjoy the GMH podcast. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Well, I'm I'm not sure how this story is going to make you feel. I'm sure it's going to get you to think on how we can fix the issue. And maybe it'll make you a little mad as well. Hospitals across Ontario are facing pressure, as we know. More and more patients are going to hospitals. They don't have a family doctor. They're they're sick. Something has happened health-wise, so they turn to the hospital. All the while, costs for hospitals are ballooning. Inflationary pressures are killing their balance sheets. Staff shortages? Check. Overcrowding? Check. Growing budget deficits? Check. And these are not check marks we want. Frangelina is the NDP health critic and MPP for Nickel Belt and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Franz, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. I'm good. How are you? Not too bad at all, but I am a little miffed to hear that the Ontario Hospital Association says, quote, virtually all of the 141 public hospitals in this province are projected to run a deficit this fiscal year. That's troubling to hear. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the Bank of Canada just (laughs) released their uh, uh, lending rate. Uh, It has not gone down. It has not gone down for the rest of us. It has not gone down for hospital. They will be spending a lot of money on interest charges on money they don't have, while we have a government who sits on over $5 billion of money that was supposed to go to healthcare, but that has not been allocated. I thought, and this came in, I think it was 2019, Ontario Health, right? The Ford government's revolutionary healthcare system. Has that helped or hurt? I would say it has, <laughs> it has made things more difficult for everybody on the front line. When you used to, whether you were the uh, CEO of a hospital or a community health center or a mental health center, you used to have a direct access to somebody within the Ministry of Health so that the Minister of Health knew what was going on in the field. Now there is like a really huge distance (laughs) between um, the Ministry of Health and what is going on in the healthcare field uh, throughout uh, throughout Ontario. And that includes in Hamilton, where your hospitals are having a really tough time keeping up with demand with people that are more and more sick and having to take out loans at really high interest rate, uh, where Looking into the future, they have no way of paying this back unless the government starts to support them. Why don't we do that up front? Why don't we support them now rather than supporting them later when they're at risk of bankruptcy uh, and have to pay back uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in, in interest payments to banks and credit unions and everything else? These hospitals are taking out loans, they're taking out lines of credit just to pay the bills, all the while more and more people are going to hospital because, as I mentioned before, they don't have a family doctor, there's a physician shortage in this province. Is patient care being negatively affected by the financial situation that we're seeing? 
I would say our our hospitals throughout Ontario uh, look at it as our safety net. When uh, you don't have a family physician, you go to the hospital. Uh, your home care worker hasn't been there. You're not feeling good. You go to the hospital. You need long-term care, but it's, there's no bed available. You go to the hospital. Our hospital or our healthcare safety net, uh, they support every part of the healthcare system. Right now, we have so many parts that are not doing good that our safety net is pretty heavily loaded. I would say our hospitals are doing phenomenal work under really, really difficult circumstances. And and the people who work there, they are human beings like you and I. They want to provide good quality care to, to the people in front of them. And when they can't do this days after days and weeks after weeks and months after months, it discourages a whole lot of them who, who say, I can't do this anymore. I want to provide quality care. I know that I failed this patient and I failed that patient today. I should have done better, but I couldn't. Uh, BC has a ratio where a nurse will be in charge of five patients sick enough to be admitted into a hospital. In Hamilton, the same nurse will often see 10, 12 patients that she will be responsible for. This is really difficult. They do phenomenal work, but we're asking them to do something that most human beings are not able to do. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Franz Jelina, is the NDP health critic, MPP for Nickel Belts. Can this be fixed or are hospitals and Ontarians going to have to grin and bear it for a while? Oh, it can absolutely be fixed. As I said, think of our hospital as our net, our, our safety net. Look at the parts where we could do better. We have nurse practitioner underemployed right now who would love to take on uh, people who don't have a family physicians. We have uh, our, our broken home care system because the Private system wants to make money. They cannot recruit and retain. Let's fix this. Let's fix the different parts that leads people to go to our hospital and we will do a whole lot better. But you also have to realize that Ontario has the least hospital bed of all of the provinces and territory. We are like 20% below the next lowest one. We have the least nurses in our hospital of all of the provinces and territories. There are things that we can do now. Let's take the money that the government has put aside and invest it in uh, creating more uh, primary health care, uh, creating more stable home and community care so that we can keep frail elderly people at home well supported and respected. Because if we don't, they end up falling, breaking a hip and ending up in the hospital. And then they can't go back home. They have to go to long-term care. Many of that we can prevent uh, with a smart investment from the ministry, but the ministry is not investing in our healthcare system. The little wee bit that they, that they do is often one time. Hospital did get a little bit of one time money at Christmas. You cannot recruit and retain, uh, uh, staff with one time money. People want permanent full-time job. They don't want a job that will end in March when there are opportunities for them elsewhere. Uh, So lots and lots can be done right here, right now that would help hundreds, thousands, and millions of Ontarians. 
Franz, we'll have to leave it there. So thankful for your time this morning and uh, have a great weekend. Have a good weekend also and nice talking to you, Rick. Franz Jelina is the NDP health critic, MPP for Nickel Belt. So certainly a challenging time in the healthcare industry, hospitals, uh, pardon the pun, at the front line of those challenges. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. There's a number of liberal MPs who have come out to say they have confidence in Prime Minister Justin Trudeau after one caucus member suggested the party hold a leadership review. That caucus member is Liberal MP Ken McDonald. He's from Newfoundland, and he recently said it might be time for a review of Mr. Trudeau's leadership, but has since backtracked from those comments. Now, Trudeau admitted that there are differing opinions within the party, and he says that's not a bad thing. Having those difficult conversations, being able to have conversations in this room that are the reflection of conversations that need to be having across the country is a strength, not a weakness. And anyone pointing to that as a weakness does not get Canada. So that as the foundation, let's bring in our next guest. Kim Wright is the founder and principal of Wright Strategies and joins us on GMH. Kim, good morning. How are you? Good morning and happy Friday. Yeah, same to you. Were Ken McDonald's comments the first real visible crack in the wall for Team Trudeau? Well, it wasn't a good day yesterday, frankly, for uh, for Team Trudeau. Um, besides, you know, some polling that we continue to see around his his job approval ratings as, as prime minister. Uh, but Ken McDonald is saying what we've heard a lot from Atlantic Can- Canada, which is they're they're a little shaky about where we're at with the prime minister, uh, and that's why you saw some of the some of the votes that they had before the holidays around home heating uh, and and trying to make life quote, more affordable for Atlantic Canadians. Uh, As goes Atlantic Canada, goes the liberal fortunes. And it's all great to focus on Toronto or Montreal. But really, when we start to see big shifts in politics, it usually starts in Atlantic Canada. Uh, It's interesting, though, that uh, shockingly, uh, uh, MP McDonald has uh, since walked back to those comments and said, you know, we just should have a healthy conversation. It's it, There's nothing to see here, folks. Uh, so we're not really surprised to see that walk back, but uh, it, it certainly got everyone's attention. The uh, Team Trudeau did take a uh, a serious hit yesterday, and that was former Justice Minister David Lametti announcing that he's resigning as an MP in Montreal. Is this a big loss? Uh, it is. It's more of a symbolic loss. Uh, you know, we're used to seeing probably about 10% of members of parliament decide uh, after about eight or so years that they're they're done. Their their time, their time, they want to go do something else, especially if they've got a bit of time left in their career. But what's fascinating is that remembering that David Lametti isn't just some backbench MP. He's the former justice minister. He was brought in after the Jody Wilson. And Raybould SNC Lavalin uh, debacle, which frankly just shook the confidence that Canadians had uh, in the ethics of the Prime Minister and the Liberal government. So he was brought in to try to uh, solve that problem. Then fast forward to the Emergencies Act. Uh, he was the Justice Minister during that uh, that situation. And then he was dropped this summer. And no one has ever quite explained why David Lametti got dropped other than, you know, the usual, well, you know, cabinet making is a difficult thing to do. Uh, So it wasn't a a total surprise, but because he was a former justice minister in 
and and two of the most substantial legal uh, situations that the prime minister has faced. Uh, that was uh, that's what raised my eyebrows yesterday. Kim Wright is the founder and principal Wright Strategies, joining us on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML from the Liberals. Let's switch gears to the NDP because they too held a retreat with leader Jagmeet Singh as they prepare for Monday start of Parliament. What's the game plan? Do you think the New Democrats want to employ starting Monday? Well, it's it's interesting because many new Democrats and, and others will gather in Ottawa on Sunday for former NDP leader Ed Broadbent. Uh, he passed away uh, earlier this month. There's a state funeral for him on Sunday. Uh, so you'll start to see a, a family coming together uh, before the start of parliament. Uh, but the focus for Jagmeet Singh and the new Democrats is, is twofold. Laser focused on making sure the pharmacare deal happens. Uh, they got dental care, which is going to benefit some 9 million Canadians directly and and millions of other Canadians indirectly. That is, that is that was job number 1 on the confidence and supply agreement. Job number 2 is the pharmacare deal. Uh we were present New Democrats were presented with a version of that pharmacare bill uh late last year that uh, was not uh, acceptable to the New Democrats, to Jagmeet Singh, and probably wouldn't have been acceptable to most Canadians. And so that that has been gone back and rewritten, and we're going to see something on that uh, early this early this session. Uh, and and that's going to be the litmus test whether that confidence and supply agreement can continue. And for listeners out there who always wonder, does that mean we'll automatically go into an election if the confidence and supply agreement uh, collapses? No, the answer is no. It, what will happen was that will be that uh, parliamentarians will just go back to a normal course of a minority parliament where they negotiate on various things, but that confidence and supply agreement uh, wouldn't be in place if the Liberals decide uh, to keep up their shenanigans on the pharmacare bill. Don't want to leave out our uh, conservative listeners, but we did hear this week a couple of times from ultra-right American political commentator Tucker Carlson. He was in Alberta for a couple of speeches this week, and I know Alberta Premier Daniel Smith was there as well. Is that something that the Prime Minister, even the NDP, kind of latches on to to say, hey, listen, if you vote for Pierre Polyev, this is the kind of rhetoric you're going to get? Well, and that's always been the Achilles heel for the Conservative Party. Whatever you may or may not think about the Andrew Shears or the Aaron O'Toole's or various other leaders, uh, it comes down to what are the candidates that you're selecting? Uh, what does that say? Because Personnel is policy for in, in politics. And so Mr. Polyev already has a number of Canadians going, who is this person? What are they actually all about? He does have a he does have a known history. And so as he looks to who her is candidates, are they going to be the convoy movement, the Tucker Carlson's, the Daniel Smith's of the world? Or are they going to try to figure out how to be a, a better governing party? That's what political observers, but also Canadians are going to look for. And the circles back to the prime minister. You know, he is a very good campaigner out on, out, out on the hustings. And it can never be underestimated how good he is on the road. And so when you start to look at 
uh, job approval ratings as prime minister versus how how the rough and tumble of the campaign trail will go. That's going to be fascinating, but it will ultimately come down to uh, do Canadians believe in in the team that you're you're developing and do they believe that you're going to help address some of those massive issues across the country, housing, homelessness, uh, healthcare, access to services, as well as what is happening on the global stage. And that's that's the job interview. Whenever it happens, I think it'll be uh, one of the most interesting election campaigns that we've seen in recent memory, for sure. Kim, always appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks for having me and have a wonderful weekend. Thank you very much. Kim Wright, founder and principal Wright Strategies and uh, has a lot of insider information when it comes to uh, federal and provincial politics. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Who let the dogs out? Let's talk a little Bulldogs and a little Branford because that city's council has voted unanimously to move ahead with plans for a new sports and entertainment center to replacing the aging Brantford Civic Center. Every city is trying to revitalize their downtown core. Outside of Toronto, outside of Vancouver, outside of Montreal, most cities are really destitute in what they're looking at from their downtown core. And we have an opportunity here now to do something and set ourselves up for the next 50 years. That is Councillor Gino Caputo making his claim for this go-ahead plan. Joining us now to talk about it is the Mayor of Brantford, Kevin Davis. Mayor Davis, good morning. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton. Thanks very much, Rick, for having me on today. Your council has approved a staff report to enter Phase 3 of this entertainment complex idea. What does that mean? Well, think about it this way. When you consider building a sports entertainment center proposal, that's a big, big project, has lots of uh, stages to it. It's kind of like a journey. So say you're going from Hamilton to Toronto. Right now, we'd be about Appleby Line. And so we're, there's a lot of information that we, we're now about to, uh, to obtain before we make a really important decision in the fall. Like we need to know uh, the site that we've selected can the soil support an arena? Are there any archaeological issues with that with that site? In terms of proposals, are there businesses out there that want to join with the city as a partner in developing this? How much will they contribute? Are there corporations out there that are willing to make to be sponsors and donate? Uh, what will the financing arrangements be? What will it look like? You know, there's, there are a lot of questions that we need the answers to, both ourselves at council and members of the community before we weigh in and make a final decision. But we do know this, that we've got a 60-year-old arena that has a lot of issues with it, and at some point is going to have to be replaced. Plus, we also know if you want an OHL team, preferably the Bulldogs, you have to have an arena that is OHL-ready. And so our arena is okay as a temporary home, but it doesn't keep an OHL team here. Now, we don't have, it's not big enough, there are no corporate suites, and there's some other problems with it, especially for those that have mobility issues. So a lot of good reasons for looking at this. And as Councillor Caputo said, and what I hear from other mayors that have arenas, that you know it can totally revitalize uh, the area that you build these arenas in. And um, frankly, I've talked to a lot of mayors, and I haven't heard any of them say to me, gee, we made a mistake <laughs> in bringing <laughs> sports entertainment 
center to our city. Is there an appetite from a community perspective? Is there an appetite from your residents to do this? I, I think, yes, there is. Uh, there is an appetite. I think because people are seeing what an OHL team brings to a city. Uh, the city has really embraced the Bulldogs, very excited and enthusiastic. And I think people also recognize that our arena is going to, going to have to be replaced at some point. So, yes, there's a lot of support for us to look at this seriously. What's the cost? We have a ballpark and who's footing the bill ultimately? Well, the cost estimates we've been given range from 110 to 140 million. And in terms of who is paying for what, we don't know that at this point. That's why we're about to go and ask for those who are interested in participating. We're looking for partners. Um, so until we have that information, until we receive the proposals, it's really hard to answer that question. Part of that. But again, but, but, but again before we make a final decision, we'll have the answers to those questions. Part of that equation in terms of footing the bill, I would almost guarantee that corporate naming rights are going to be a part of this plan. It always is. When you look at the 20 centers that have been built in Canada in the last 20 years, there's always been some public money. And there's usually there are naming rights that uh, corporations will pay for and they'll contribute to the cost of the project. There is a what if in this equation. Again, we're speaking with Brantford Mayor Kevin Davis about uh, the new sports and entertainment center taking a step forward in downtown Brantford. And the what if is... What if the Bulldogs don't stay? Is, is building this new complex still worth it? Well, as I've told people this week, Rick, I'm not interested in seeing this city build a white elephant. And my definition of a white elephant would be you don't have a tenant for it. I, I'd love it to, for that to be the Bulldogs. I'm optimistic it would be the Bulldogs. But, you know, there are other OHL teams. But you clearly... If you're going to make this kind of investment as a community, you want there to be a major tenant and the major tenant being an OHL team. And so are the you... Issue, of course, is, the other issue is, can you as a city afford to do it? Mm -hmm. We don't know the answer to that question yet because we have to see what the various partnership proposals are and, and who's prepared to contribute and donate to it. We only got a minute left. Are you... I know you already have the Bulldogs for this season and the next two seasons. Are you openly campaigning to the OHL to say, listen, if, if anyone wants to move, we're going to be open? <laughs> Not at this point, because we need to first of all figure out if what, what will be involved in, in constructing an arena. But certainly in terms of the Bulldogs, the agreement we have with the Bulldogs, there's a clause in there that says, we'll look at a new arena and, you, and it was in there because it contemplated that there was an option for both the city and the Bulldogs that they would stay here beyond three years, contingent on there being a new center. It makes sense, and it makes sense for a number of reasons. Mayor Davis, thank you so much for your time this morning, and have a fantastic weekend. Thanks, Rick. Have a great day. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Earlier this month, we were treated to well, an interesting video on social media from Arkell's frontman, Max Kerman. A sunny sky in the background. We saw some palm trees. Uh, Max was 
slurping blue ice cream in a waffle cone. It looked rather tasty. He was wearing a ball cap, a t-shirt, some sunglasses, and a hot spot for sure. And he said, we just signed off on the biggest shows of the summer for us. Well, we now know it's the once in a lifetime, twice in a summertime, Arkell's double header weekend at Budweiser Stage in Toronto, June 21st and 22nd. And tickets going on sale later on this morning. And here to talk about it is the man himself, Max Kerman, lead singer, Arkell's. Max, good morning. How are you? Great introduction. I'm doing I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Everyone wants to know what flavor of ice cream was that? It was just I was in Miami visiting a friend, just trying to get a little bit of sunshine, and there was marshmallows in it. And it <laughs> I think it was cotton candy. I think it was cotton candy. Wow. That's what it was. That is pretty spectacular. There's going to be a pretty spectacular couple <laughs> of shows coming up at Budweiser Stage in Toronto, June 21st, 22nd. Tickets going on sale at 10 this morning. rkelsmusic.com is the website to go to. How did these shows come together? You know, um, if, if you've been uh, following our career and, and paying attention, we try to book the third weekend of June uh, as our big local weekend. Um, you know, from 20. 20- 17, when we first played Budweiser Stage. It was the third weekend of June. The rally uh, in Hamilton at Tim Hortons Field has always been the third weekend of June. And um, we hadn't played Budweiser Stage since 2021 when we brought <laughs> live music back uh, after you know a long window of no shows for anybody because uh, of the pandemic. And uh, we thought it was time to come back to uh, Toronto and do uh, two nights at, at Budweiser Stage. And um, you know, I guess to answer your question, though, Putting together a weekend is is really fun, and it requires a lot of work because we want to make sure that you know everybody knows it's happening. Number one, because you know marketing in this day and age is is a bit of a chore, and also that the the lineup itself is really strong, something we're really passionate about. So Tegan and Sarah, who are legends and heroes to us, uh, they're opening Friday, and uh, an indie rock band called Group Love, uh, who we've loved forever, uh, are opening Saturday. So uh, we're hoping people come to both nights because. We have so many damn songs at this point that <laughs> making a set list for one night only is, is really hard. And uh, what it also does, too, is it makes both nights extremely unique. You have different flavors from Chicken and Sarah, from Group Love. Then you have, I mean, you your library of songs is so deep now that you can do two completely different shows. Yeah, well, you know, I think, and people have been asking about that, um, about like, well, is the set list going to be the same for both nights? I, and, and the short answer is we're definitely going to play like the big bangers both nights. So like you're going to hear Leather Jacket knocking at the door and, and Past Life uh, both nights. But when it comes to the remaining, you know, 10 songs on a 20 song set list, like we're going to change them up each night because there's so many songs and deep cuts. And people who've been with us for a very long time that are like dying to hear track seven on Michigan left. I don't know what that is, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like what, like, you know, songs that they don't typically get to hear. We're, we're going to try to get all of it. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Max Kerman, lead singer R. Kells. They got a big couple of shows coming up this summer, once in a lifetime, twice in a summertime. R. Kells double header weekend, Budweiser stage in Toronto, June 21st, 22nd. Tickets on sale at 10 this morning. Arkellsmusic.com is the website to get your tickets. You mentioned Budweiser stage, an iconic venue. You're going back for the first time since 2021, which was really, you know, a time in which we thought, what what is going on with the world? How how cool is it to go back mm-hmm. to that venue? It's awesome. Um, you know, the, the venue. One of the reasons why we love it so much is that it's really accessible. You know, if you're living in downtown Toronto, you can walk there or 
bike. But if you're coming from Hamilton, it's right off the go train. So and I know it's become like a tradition for a lot of people that live in, you know, Hamilton, Burlington, Oakville. It's like, it's so easy just to hop on the train and be like right downtown. It's like a five minute walk uh, to the venue if you've never been. And on a summer night in June, even if you get seats up on the lawns, it's like the vibes are kind of perfect because you're just like right on the water. And uh, it's a place where I like to go to see shows. But but it's also an opportunity to let your listeners know that there's no Hamilton show this summer. So if you want to see the band, you got you to gotta come down to the Trump. You got to get your tickets starting at 10 this morning for Narkel's Twin Bill this summer. Budweiser stage in Toronto, June 21st and 22nd with special guests Tegan and Sarah and Group Love. Online, arkelsmusic.com, the website to go to. I know as musicians, you're always kind of working on things. What are you working on right now? Oh, good question. I don't know. We're, we're always cooking up something. Um, <laughs> we got we got a couple couple little treats for you coming in the next uh, couple months. One is like related to Valentine's Day, and another is related to some of our favorite songs of all time. Hmm. I'll just leave it at that. Wow. It must be cool, though, to dive into your creative juices, right? As a musician, you're always, as I mentioned, you're always working, you're always thinking, you're always contemplating, you know, how do we push the envelope? How do we get the next big song out there? What is that like with an artist working with other guys in the band? You know, I think um, my job in the band, uh, I, it's first and foremost, is just to identify ideas that just entertain me, <laughs> because... <laughs> If I'm entertained by a thought or an idea, whether that's a new song or a music video or a TikTok or a show idea or anything like that, um, then I then I get really excited about it. <laughs> and being excited about an idea, I think, is the ultimate way to propel something forward. Um, and the best thing about working with a band uh, and guys that you know and that you trust and that you like is that you bring an idea forward and then it gets shaped into something better. And sometimes sometimes you're told, nah, that's not a particularly good idea. And I go, okay, I'll move on to the next one. But when you're working with other guys that you trust and you know that can make a nugget of, of something into something much bigger and better, then, it's, then it turns into just like a really fun day. Like every day you're sort of waking up with like, oh, what if we did this? You know, it's like I remember we have like a French disco song where I sing in French and I was just sort of amused by the idea. Like what if we had a song that sounded like, like a song you might hear in a Parisian nightclub. And what if I'm singing in French, even though I don't know how to speak any French, I want to try that. <laughs> you know, we have a song uh, that was made that way. And it's called dance with you played every night on tour. And so I think it's, um, I think, I think that's, you know, I feel so lucky that every morning I get to wake up and kind of just follow whatever amuses me and let that, excitement sort of lead the way it's gonna be an awesome double header with the arkells at budweiser stage in toronto june 21st 22nd they're not gonna have any shows in hamilton this summer so get your tickets now starting at 10 this morning arkellsmusic.com max appreciate the time best of luck with this twin bill thank you so much great chat as always appreciate it you're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. You can make it a fantastic weekend by attending North America's largest indoor boat show. Yes, the Toronto International Boat Show is wrapping up this weekend. So you have a few more opportunities to take in the 66th annual event. Open today from 11 to 7, tomorrow 10 to 6, and on Sunday from 10 to 5 at the Anarchare Center in
in Toronto. All the details, you can get ticket information online at torontoboatshow.com. Here to talk about it is Linda Waddell, the director of the Toronto International Boat Show. Linda, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me here. How have things gone over the last week? Really good. Got thousands of people planning for summer. That's what uh, that's what everyone does at the Toronto Boat Show. You come and get ready for summer. It's an ex- it's an exciting time because I mean we're in the depths of winter, right? It's late January, and we're thinking about all the things we're going to do when the weather is much warmer. Yep, that's exactly re- really why the show is in January. Uh, manufacturers and dealers are at the ideal time to have product and inventory fully stocked, so that people have the best choices, the most variety of options, and the dealers and manufacturers have time to talk to everybody. So people shop, they uh, go to seminars, they get educated, and they buy what they need. And that way, when May arrives and the weather turns beautiful, you're ready to go and you're not starting your planning. And is that what you're hearing from the dealers and the exhibitors, those who are coming to the show each and every year, that they're making those sales because people not only come to the show to look at things, but they're also investing or buying stuff? That's exactly right. Um, It's very efficient for people's time. Um, Our our industry is very spread out across the province. So you could be at a boat dealership in Niagara, and then you're driving to one in Aurelia, then you're going to one in Kingston. So the the province is is large, uh, boat dealerships and um, accessory retailers and service providers are quite far apart. So you would drive all over to try and do your shopping Um, And everything is all together under one roof, and it's very efficient for the consumer. Toronto International Boat Show is on today, tomorrow, and Sunday at the Anarchare Centre in Toronto. Get uh, all your information and tickets online, torontoboatshow.com. What are some of the highlights people can expect to see? Our most popular highlight this year is something new. Um, We've had our indoor lake for many, many years, the world's largest indoor lake for boaters. And we have a lot of on-the-water activity all day, every hour, there's new content. But our new feature this year in the lake is called Glow in the Dark Boating. So it's a cool experience to be able to participate in canoeing, kayaking, uh, water bikes, paddle boats. And you're with illuminated LED lights, with music playing. People are loving it. It's so popular. Wow, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, I also know that because you have the massive indoor lake, there's sailing demonstrations as well. We don't have sailing on the lake this year. We have in the past. We okay. kind of change it up. Um, in addition to our glow in, dar- in the dark boating, we have water ski and wakeboard shows coming up all weekend over the next three days. Mm. We also have electric boat demonstrations. It's new technology in our industry. So we've got six uh, electric boat, uh, electric uh, motor companies that are providing demos and education. So there really is a big variety, but we change it up every year. Anyone who wants to get a uh, just a glimpse of what is happening can check out the live lake webcam as well. And that really gives someone just a small glimpse of how tremendous this show is. It is. It's kind of cool. People, people watch, especially when we're building it. Um, they're fascinated that we take over the Coca-Cola Coliseum, where the Marlies play typically. And they go on the road for this few weeks of the year, and people watch us build and change of building from an ice hockey rink to an indoor lake. So <laughs> it's pretty cool. 
Absolutely. The Toronto International Boat Show continues this weekend. Today, tomorrow, and on Sunday at the Anarchare Centre in Toronto. Easy to get to, especially with Go Transit. And I know you have show and Go Transit combo tickets as well. People love our Go Transit Boat Show combo ticket. It brings you right to Exhibition Station. Um, So you can buy one of these tickets in advance. It includes your ride to and from anywhere that Go Transit um, is, is located. So that's ideal for your listeners, especially yeah. coming uh, from Hamilton area. Yeah, forget about driving and, and worrying about parking. Hop on the go, go to the show, uh, enjoy some lunch or dinner, whatever the case is, and uh, and take in all that is to see at the Intercare Center. Um, regarding tickets, um, there's I know there's a seniors discount. I know kids 16 and under get in free as well. Yes, boating is really a family activity. Uh, so many people aspire to have this lifestyle, and we don't want price or uh, whether to bring your kids or not to be a factor. So we've always had kids 16 and under free uh, being part of a, a boating family or a cottage family. We want to make it affordable so that you can bring kids. We have a lot of families that come and participate in our features and our special event areas and also in the buying decision for what the what the family's going to get for um, being on the water, whether you're buying wakeboards or tubes or um or the family boat. It's a family decision, so we really do make it accessible without cost being a barrier. Yeah, that is a wonderful discount. 66 years. Uh, do you have a highlight for, for the show each and every year? I would say seeing how happy people are. Um, the, it's a show is a very positive mood. People get excited. So I think really the, the emotional enthusiasm that the show brings to people to talk about summer, to think about summer. It's a great atmosphere. You feel like you're doing something that makes people happy and that brings a quality of life to so many people and they have something to look forward to. I, I think every year for me, that's that's really what I see at the show. That is uh, excellent. So we know that uh, summer is going to be here uh, sooner rather than later and a great way to spend this weekend and perhaps get ready for some fun on the water is going to the Toronto International Boat Show. Again, all the information you need to know online at torontoboatshow.com. Linda, thanks for the time today. Have a great weekend. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. After a 10-year hiatus, 10 years, it's been that long, the McRib is making a comeback at McDonald's. It is one of the most iconic menu items at Mickey D's. There's no debating that. I don't want to hear it. It's going to make his long-awaited debut uh, or return, I should say, on Tuesday. And, of course, for a limited time. Everything's a limited time nowadays, right? The retro donuts at Tim's, limited time. McRib coming back only for a limited time, though. Get them while they last. Yes, for the first time since 2014, the McRib is coming back. Have you never had a McRib? What? What? Well, here's what a McRib is all about. What'd you say this was again? McDonald's calls it the McRib sandwich. It's a new kind of cue. McRib? I don't see any bones. Hey, who wants bones in a sandwich? McRib is all meat. Lean pork that's grilled and simmered in a hickory smoke flavored barbecue sauce. Mm. And put on a home style roll with pickles and onions. Well, how about it? Mm -hmm. The McRib sandwich. A new kind of cue. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh, my mouth is watering just thinking about it. It came out in 1981. 
A tender and juicy boneless pork patty dipped in tangy BBQ sauce, topped with slivered onions, tasty pickles, all served on a toasted home-style bun. I know I'm overselling it. I know. But boy, was it ever a good sandwich slash burger. 1981, debuting a long time ago. And it is coming back. Are you excited about it? I, as you can tell, I certainly am. I haven't had one in a long, long time, or at least 10 years. Obviously, this was one of my faves. But is the McRib one of McDonald's all-time best-selling menu items? And I mean, like, ever. Well, let's go through the list. I have a top 10 list of the 10 best-selling McDonald's menu items ever. Can you guess what's number one? Or some of the others that are in the top 10? Well, number 10, this is one of my favorites too, at breakfast time, the McGriddles breakfast sandwich. Mmm-hmm. No sausage and egg in there. Slap on some cheese with those pancake. Pancakes for buns? Yes. McGriddles breakfast sandwich in at number 10. In at number 9, and this was introduced in 2003, and it was so popular in 2003, that this menu item saved McDonald's from its first quarterly loss since 1965. This is how popular this menu item is. In at number nine, the double cheeseburger. That came in 2003, and it just went crazy. People just could not stop themselves from ordering this thing. And still to this day, well, still in the top ten, are ordering it in droves. I was surprised by the number eight item on the 10 best-selling McDonald's menu items ever. Absolutely surprised. I would have never have guessed that this item, which also arrived in 2003, was in at number eight or even in the top 10. That was the premium salads. But who goes to McDonald's and orders a salad? Well, a lot of people do, apparently. I can honestly say I've never ordered a salad at McDonald's, at least not for myself. Number seven on the 10 best-selling McDonald's menu items ever. Number seven. This was introduced in 1980. So we're going way back. Way back. At number seven, the Chicken McNugget. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. Give me some McNuggets. Absolute stellar menu item at McDonald's. Number six. The Baked Apple Pie slash Apple Slices. A lot of apples going on at Mickey D's. It first came out in 1992. The sixth best-selling McDonald's items ever. Number five. Now we're getting into the iconic of iconic menu items. And not to say that McNuggets isn't there. But in at number five, the Egg McMuffin, which debuted in the 1970s. Number five in the ten best-selling McDonald's items ever. Number four, the Happy Meal. Introduced in 1979, and now a gazillion have been sold since. The number three item on the 10 best-selling McDonald's menu items ever. This too caught me by surprise. This came out in 2006. Snack wraps. You don't want a big meal, or a value meal, or even a happy meal. Snack wrap will do. In at number three. Didn't think it would be that high. Number two. Probably the burger of all burgers when it comes to fast food. Debuting in 1967, the Big Mac. I'm going to show you how McDonald's builds a, a Big Mac sandwich. It starts here with a lightly toasted bun. 
And then a pure beef hamburger. Sizzling hot. A slice of cheddar blend cheese. And some crisp, fresh lettuce. Then, our own secret sauce. The club slice. Toasted. Another hamburger. And a little more sauce, just for good flavor. Oh, yeah. Crisp dill pickles and the sesame seed crown. This is the sandwich. McDonald's new Big Mac sandwich for the bigger-than-average appetite. <laughs> McDonald's is your kind of place. I honestly think the Big Mac is the worst burger from the fast food world. Yes. Shut your mouth. No, it is true. Came out August 1967. <laughs> and so too did that commercial. And the number one best-selling McDonald's menu item ever. Want to take a guess? French fries. Yep. Made from potatoes, vegetable oil, canola oil, corn oil, soybean oil, hydrogenated soybean oil, natural beef flavor, dextrose, sodium acid, pyrophosphate, and of course salt. French fries, number one on the all-time list. And there are two other fan favorites that I and I think a lot of the other people would love to see McDonald's bring back. The McPizza. I mean, it wasn't that great, but I mean, let's bring pizza back because I'm a big pizza fan. And the McDLT, hot on one side, cool on the other. And before I let you go, some McDonald's trivia for you. Where was the first McDonald's in Canada? And in what year did it open? Well, the answer is Richmond, B.C., 1967. Stump your friends today. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.